Good morning. How are you? Oh, I heard a bunch of answers there. I um, missed you last week, but I heard Jeremiah did an outstanding job. What a remarkable young man. What a gifted teacher. I'm jealous of his students in school. I'll bet you all are too. Amen? So uh, thanks, Jeremiah, uh, for doing a great job uh, in filling in. Today, uh, boy, today we have the opportunity uh, to celebrate. Who wants to party? <laughs> Good. And uh, no, it's not because the Broncos are going to beat the Colts later today, although they probably will, but something far, far greater. Uh, we get to celebrate um, the sacrament of baptism during our service this morning. Isn't that great? And uh, so I thought, um, I thought I'd share a few things um, in the next uh, several minutes at least uh, on baptism and uh, along the way um, maybe suggest something I think might be helpful for all of us, um, whether or not uh, we're the ones being baptized today. Different um, denominations, um, different Christian denominations teach uh, uh, different things about baptism. Uh, God says, be baptized, and uh, you try to read in between the lines, but nowhere really in the Bible does he say exactly why. Um, I think um, sometimes God does that. Um, so the body of Christ, so brothers and sisters will get together and huddle over the word and wrestle with it and decide uh, at least for their part of the body what uh, is the purpose uh, of God's command uh, to be baptized. We here at West Bowles practice what's called believer's baptism, which means um, we view baptism as an important step of obedience uh, in the believer's life. Uh, Jesus tells us to be baptized. God and the disciples do uh, as well. So it's an important step in the believer's life, but it's, um, it's one that uh, these folks being baptized later do uh, acknowledging their salvation experience that uh, it's already been accomplished. They're already following Jesus. And so Believer's baptism, it's been said, uh, is an outward expression then of that inward transformational change. And the aspect of that transformational change, it seems to me, is, uh, yes, a transformational change of um, uh, falling in love with a God who's already in love with us, but in response to that love, actually having something change in us that come what may in life, we actually deeply desire, our deepest desire is to obey and to follow his command to love God, love others before ourselves. Absent that transformational change brought on by God in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, sooner or later in our human nature, self would get in the way. Our own self-interest, if you're like me, absent God would come up and say, you know what, uh, I need to take care of number one first, and then once that's done, because God wants me to do that, obviously, 
Once that's done, what I've got left, uh, uh, you know, I kind of give to God, and then way down the line, uh, you know, are other people who, again, they can fend for themselves, right? And so that transformational change in us that we're celebrating this morning in these uh, people is that change that says, come what may, it's God first, and then out of God's mouth, What it means, my people, he says, that I'm first is that you put others before yourselves, come what may. And so we get a chance to celebrate that this morning because that's remarkable and that's only available in a way that lasts and is true in Jesus Christ. Um, I want to talk a little bit um, about the origin of, of this practice of Christian baptism, where the practice came from. It's very interesting because Christian baptism has roots from several different sources. Jewish sources, um, um, other cultures, practices, and then there's something new, too, that's added um, all on its own uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit in a fuller uh, way to the body. But there's one Jewish practice uh, in particular that, uh, in my opinion, uh, helps form um, the biggest foundation stone, at least, of Christian baptism. And I want to take a look at that with you this morning because I think it helps us understand more about what Christian baptism is all about. You know, when you look at the origins of something, how it was put together or where it came from, then that often can help you understand with what you have. You know what I mean? And that ancient Jewish practice that um, I'd like to talk with you about uh, this morning that uh, is one of the roots, at least, that feeds into Christian baptism is a practice in Hebrew called mikvah. Go ahead and say mikvah. Thank you for um, accommodating me when I ask you to say something. It's an old... It's an old teacher's habit because I know if you say it, then maybe you'll, uh, you know, you'll remember it past 11 a.m. this morning. So let's go for 11.30. Say mikvah. The word mikvah literally means a gathering of waters. It first appears in Genesis over the waters that are gathered before God calls war, uh, order out of that chaotic water. But this term mikvah uh, in Jesus' day had come to mean more. In Jesus' day, what mikvah referred to was a practice of um, using the symbol of water, purifying um, uh, people, people purifying themselves uh, before God, Um, people uh, rededicating or dedicating themselves to love and obedience to God. The term mikvah not only that practice, but also the term mikvah used as a noun would come, um, uh, would refer to the, the, the bath or uh, the tub, uh, really a, a, a hole in the ground that uh, the religious Jews in Jesus' day would build with stairs leading down into that hole. They'd plaster that hole and fill it with water. Uh, that also is a mikvah where that Uh, purifying, rededicating oneself uh, before the Lord in obedience and love uh, would take place. Now, 
Religious Jews in Jesus' day would practice mikvah on many different occasions, but one primary use of mikvah was to immerse yourself in water each and every time before going to worship God in the community of brothers and sisters, before entering into that community and worship and experience of God each and every time, whether it be in a synagogue or whether it be in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, I've got uh, some slides that might be helpful in explaining this further. Uh, Many of you always say, hey, show some slides from Israel. So this is the morning. You get some slides from Israel. Want to see some slides from Israel? Well, good, because you don't have a choice. (laughs) This is a place called Gamla. Say Gamla. Gamla in Jesus' day was the headquarters for that group of freedom fighters for God called zealots. You remember the zealots in Jesus' day? This was their headquarters. You can see in the background that water coming in is the Sea of Galilee. So just north and east of the Sea of Galilee is Gamla. The red circle around Gamla is something fascinating they found there. They found a first century, that's when Jesus was here, a first century synagogue. And as we go in closer, you can see that... um, Uh, black floored square area is that synagogue. The arrow's pointing to something that the archaeologists put a sunshade over to protect it. I think I've got one that gives a little different view. There it is again. And if you go under that sunshade, you'll find this. That's a first century mikvah. You can see the stairs leading down into that space that they created. The plaster, original plaster of 2,000 years ago is still on the wall. How, much, how many of your home's plaster would still be here in 2,000 years? They did a pretty good job with the plaster. And here's what would happen. At 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock every day, the hazan, or the custodian of that synagogue, would blow the shofar, that biblical ram's horn trumpet. And everyone who was hearing would recognize that as a call to come and worship in synagogue. Not, uh, not dissimilar to at least some churches or in the olden days, they'd ring the church bell, you know, as a call to worship. Only uh, Jews would blow the ram's horn. And so you'd come and make your way to worship, and what you would do is you would go down, uh, before entering into the synagogue, you would go and you'd go down into that water. There'd be a place to put your robe. You'd go down in the water. You'd immerse yourself. And in that action, you would be rededicating your head, your heart, your hands, and your feet. That is to say, you would rededicate to God your head or your thoughts your heart or your will, the work that you do, and then your walk in terms of uh, walking, following after obedience and love of God. And each and every time you would pause and you rededicate those things to the Lord. Maybe since the last time you'd done it, you had a sinful thought. Or maybe since the last time you done it, you said, uh, did mikvah, you said something to someone that you know was sin and you wish you hadn't said it. Maybe you fell prey to uh, that particular sin in your life 
that's the hardest one for you to uh, win over on a consistent basis. And so you'd go before experiencing again, as if even for the first time, the grace and love and forgiveness of God, you'd pause before entering into that experience and you say, Lord, before we, I experience it, you again, I, I pause again to dedicate, rededicate my head, my heart, my hands, and my feet. And they found these mikvah, or plural mikvahot, always very near the door into synagogues around the villages in Jesus' day. They also found them around the temple. This next slide shows you the temple mount, that big square platform. In the middle sits the house, God's temple inside the house, the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. The red circle you see is the southern stairs, the main entrance up onto that temple mount when going to worship in the temple. The green arrow points to that structure right in the middle of the stairs. Do you see it? I've got another slide showing that structure. There's a model that's built, and it's a very early model. They found something there. This, who puts a building right in the middle of this beautiful staircase? So they were curious, and they dug down. Now you'll see a slide from today. We're standing on what's left of the southern stairs today in Israel. The red circle is where that little building was in the middle of those stairs. Are you with me? Someone say they're with me. Okay, good. The next slide gives you a little different view. There's what's left of the southern stairs kind of to the left of that circle. And that red circle again is around what's left of that building in Jesus' day. You go into the building and guess what you find there? you find mikvahot. In fact, outside of the temple complex, they found 48 of them and counting to accommodate the tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands on the high holy days that would come. And before they went up to temple to worship God, and I'll include Jesus each and every time you see him coming up in the temple, you know if he didn't pause to do mikvah, there's a group of Pharisees that would have asked him about it, right? Hey! That's Hebrew for hey! <laughs> Why aren't you rededicating yourself to God? And so they would pause at 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock each and every day when going up to temple to worship to reflect on again in the last 24 hours, the last 12 hours. What do they need to confess before the Lord? What do they need to rededicate again and ask him for his help in walking again in obedience and love to God? Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. I think I've got a slide of the Jordan. There it is. You know, it's an interesting uh, debate and theologians debate, what's going on with Jesus' baptism? John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and John the Baptist is calling for a baptism of repentance, of forgiveness of sins. Well, Jesus was perfect and didn't need his sins forgiven. No wonder John was surprised when Jesus said, baptize me, and John was like, well, wait a minute, 
what in the world would I baptize you for? It may be one piece of the answer to that puzzle is what Jesus is doing is closer to mikvah or transitioning from mikvah into what we now know today as Christian baptism. So at the start of Jesus' ministry, he gets into the water to dedicate, to show that he has dedicated his life and his ministry to following God in obedience and love. In a few minutes, you'll see these folks climb into the water. We got the water from the River Jordan. No, we didn't, but there's water in there. And you know, some will say, well, unlike Jesus, these folks climbing into the water, well, they're not perfect. But consider this. Because of what Jesus did, the people you see who follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior of, your li of their life, aren't they perfect in Christ? Or let me use a different word than perfect, one closer to the Greek word. Aren't they blameless? And they don't step in there alone. Jesus steps in there with them. The Holy Spirit indwelling each of these believers steps in there with them. And in similar fashion, I think, at least from one of its roots, that Christian baptism signifies the same thing it did for Jesus. A public testimony that, you know what? Here's who I identify with. I identify with that risen Savior who but for his death and resurrection, I'm lost. And so in response, I want you all to know that I'm going to live my life, my head, my heart, my hands, and my feet, my thoughts, my will, my work, and my walk for God. A couple of PSs, and then we'll get to, to the party time with <laughs> baptism. First PS, Shema. Those of you who know me know that I talk a lot about Shema, that greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and all your mind. Well, in there you can see, can't you? Head, heart, hands, feet, thoughts, will, work, walk. It's the same. Second PS, have you ever considered Jesus on the cross? Where was he wounded? on the cross. The crown of thorns scraping and wounding his, hmm, the nails in his, and his, and that Roman spear stuck into the side, piercing his, there's a picture there, I think, at least, of Jesus doing mikvah on our behalf dedicating his head, his heart, his hands, and his feet in obedience and love to God. I wish we had something in the Christian church for believers who already know the Lord and follow him as their Lord and Savior and who've already been baptized. And as hard as that road might have been to that belief and that decision to be baptized, Really, in a lot of respects, following baptism, that's where it really gets tough, doesn't it? 
What do we have in the church where people are encouraged to come constantly on a regular basis back to the humbling of ourselves and confession before God and rededicating ourselves to obedience? You know, our Catholic friends have confession. And it always brings a, a, a slight smile to my face when I hear Protestant writers or Protestants kind of mock the whole Catholic confession thing. And while maybe confession doesn't need to be done to a priest, you know, a Catholic person says, what do you mean needs to be done to a priest? We get to do that with the priest. I'm jealous of something like that at least in the experience and life of the church where we're encouraged that when we fall down, as we will, if you're like me, every day, multiple times, that we're encouraged with the thought of, you know what, I'm going to get back up into the waiting arms of my loving Savior. I'm going to rededicate right now my thoughts, my will, my work, and my walk. Let's do this again, God. Please help me. I wish we had something like that. I'm going to give you something that you can try at home. And I've done it for the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, might seem a little strange, but uh, it's blessed me deeply, so I'm going to share it with you and risk it sounding strange. Um, every morning in the shower, <laughs> as the water washes over my head, heart, hands, and feet, I've taken the occasion for two weeks straight now of saying out loud, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I'm rededicating myself in love and obedience, come what may, my thoughts, my will, my work, and my walk. And I tell you, the focus that that brings to my day has just been a real blessing. So if you want to do something else in the shower besides wash yourself or sing, how many, how many singers are there in the shower? There's one in the back room, proud of sings in the shower. You all do. <laughs> Maybe not. I invite you to try it. I dare you to try it. Give it a try for a week, a few days. This idea of, and maybe what will come to mind while you're standing there under the water, something you wish you hadn't said or done the day before. Some sin you want to confess again and pray that that day, one day at a time, that that next hour, God will help you defeat that temptation. And he will when we let him. And letting him means stepping forward and giving it all our heart, soul, might, and mind too. I invite you to try it. So you can see, I think, maybe some of what the roots of what we're celebrating today with these folks being baptized. So in a minute, um, we'll turn to baptism and uh, we'll get to celebrate with them. First, I'd like uh, to close in prayer, and uh, this is serving as our offertory prayer this morning as well. So as the ushers come forward, would you join me, please, uh, in praying? Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity we have to celebrate the baptism of these folks today, and whether or not we're being baptized today, Father, maybe... This could be used as a day for, if we've been baptized, to remember back to that day. And in our hearts as we watch these folks dedicate themselves, remembering back to that day when we were baptized, Father, rededicating ourselves again to obedience and to love. And, or, Father, if we haven't yet been baptized, as we watch 
these folks step out. That we might remember back, if we know the Lord, to that time we first came to know him as our Lord and Savior. And in our own hearts, even as we celebrate with these folks today, rededicate ourselves again, come what may, in giving you our thoughts, our will, our work, uh, and our walk. Father, thank you for placing it on these folks' heart to take this important step of obedience, this important step of acknowledging that they are indeed saved in your precious Son's blood. Father, I pray for the offertory this morning. I pray that we give with eager hearts back to you a portion of what uh, you've blessed us with. Take this money and use it. Use it powerfully, Father, in your kingdom. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, um, this morning, um, as Todd said earlier, this is a time to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate what Jesus has done in the lives of individuals, but it's also a time to celebrate what he's doing in his church. And so we hope that this morning would be that um, for you guys as you watch these guys be baptized. But we also hope that it would be something else as we talked to them these last couple weeks about what baptism means. We talked about how baptism is an outward expression of an inner commitment. And so this morning, we hope that you'll not only celebrate with these guys, but you'll also stop and reflect on your own inner commitment, that we could all stop and reflect on our own inner commitment to Christ because he has been fully committed to us. So with that being said, we're going to have our first, first person come on out. Can you give everybody your name? Uh, my name is Karis Grams. And Karis, is there anything you'd like to say? Um, I would just like to thank uh, my friends and my family. Um, my mom and dad have been huge in my life and always supported me. And my friends are some of the best that anyone could ever have. So I just want to thank them. Okay. Well, Karis, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And you believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes, I do. And is it your desire to follow him all of your days? Yes, it is. All right, and I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the next person we baptize is uh, my son, Brendan Jones. And um, Brendan, do you have a couple things you want to say? Hi, I'm Brendan. Um, if you know me, you have probably made <clears throat> an important influence on my life. I'm very thankful for. Um, I can't explain everybody that I am thankful for and everything that I am thankful for, but I just hope that you know and that you understand that. So thank you very much. 
So, Brendan, do you believe that um, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, that he um, died on the cross for us and was raised from the grave and is saving a place for us in heaven? Yes. And have you accepted him as your personal savior? Yes. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning. And what is your name? Tina McFarlane. Tina, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to earth and was crucified on the cross and died for your sins, and then was resurrected on the third day so that you may have eternal life? Yes. And Tina, because of those beliefs, did you also accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior so that you may follow him the rest of the days of your life? Yes. And because of this, it is now your desire to be baptized as an outward proclamation of an inner faith and growth in you? Yes. Now, is there something else you would like to say before you're baptized? I would like to... Um thank those women in my life that have touched my heart very deeply over the past year in coming here. I live right across the street and I've ran by the church, I've driven by the church, I've ridden my bike by the church, and in a time of darkness, this became my home. Mm -hmm. So I wanna thank you um, to all of those have, that have touched my heart so deeply. <laughs> and now, Tina, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I am uh, Mike Stebbin. And this is my son, Andre. This is my son, Andre. And I feel privileged today to get to baptize my son. I got to tell you how he became a Christian. We started sending him to uh, Front Range Christian School, and uh, he was, my wife was doing devotions with him. And in the middle of devotions, he said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And my wife came back to me and she said, Andre, just ask Jesus in his heart. Can that be? And I said, you know what? You didn't bring it up. Only the Holy Spirit could have told him 
his need for the Savior? I said, of course. So that's when my son, Andre Stalin, became a Christian. And I feel so blessed to be able to baptize my son today. Andre, several years ago, you asked Jesus into your heart. Do you believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sins and rose again the third day? Yes. And would you like, and you've asked Jesus into your heart? Yes. And you'd like to live the rest of your life for him? Yes. This is a special day in my life. You want to see the power of God? The power of God is in the ability to change people's lives. Those that were dead in sin become alive in Christ. Andre, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the funny thing about, this is my daughter, Melody Stablin, who turns nine years old this Thursday. And uh, the funny story here is that after Andre became a Christian, he cared so much about his sister that, she said, that he said to her, Melody, you need to ask Jesus into your heart. And because of Andre, Melody became a Christian. Melody, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again on the third day? Yes. And you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and come into your heart? Yes. And you'd like to live the rest of your life for Jesus? Yes. Okay. I baptize you, Melody Stablin, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heather, would you like to tell everybody what Jesus has done for you? Yes. Okay. Tell everybody what Jesus has done for you, babe. He died on the cross to save me. From what? Sin. Okay. And then what happened? Did he stay dead? No. I know you're nervous. Tell everybody what happened. <laughs> Why didn't he stay dead? Because he's God and he's indescribable and nothing can beat him. That's right. Nothing can beat him, not even death, and he is indescribable. We don't even have words big enough to describe him, do we? Yeah. But he won over death, and he is our Savior, right? Yes. He knows every corner of our heart, and yet he loves us anyways, right? Yes. Redeems us. So, um, with that, I'm just going to have you step down here. Okay. Heather. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Brady. Uh, is there anything you'd like to share with everybody? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Brady, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that he rose again? Yes. Uh, is it your desire to follow him the rest of your days? Yes. Brady, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Can you give everybody your name? My name is Greg. And Greg, do you have anything you'd like to say? None. Okay. All right. Greg, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. And do you believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes, I have. And is it your desire to follow him all of your days? Yes. Then, Greg, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe we're going to close with a song, and we would invite you guys afterwards, all of those who have been baptized this morning will be down front here, and we'd invite you and encourage you to come down and celebrate what Jesus has done in their lives. Thank you.